Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This time on The Kindness Project, Cotton and I, Joe, pirate names, and we have part two of our interview with Ruth Hughes. Welcome, my friends, to another episode of The Kindness Project. In my eyeline, I've got a lady who is creeping very quietly, but not chopping quietly enough. It's uh, it's my darling wife, Cassie Dames. Hello, Cassie. Hi. And I'm also joined by a girl whose idea of discouragement is tapping you twice and giving you a dirty look. It's Charlotte Dames. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good, thanks, mate. Um, I'm joined by by a man. <laughs> by what? <laughs> with a podcasting plan. He's always got it laid out for us, isn't he? It's Chris James. That really went off trail. Uh, I've got yeah. I've got my word document. I've got my questions of the yeah. podcast. I've got the audacity. I've, I'm I'm organised. We have now been doing this for a hundred plus episodes. I should know what I'm doing, shouldn't I? Really, shouldn't I? So should I, but don't mean I do. <laughs> yeah, we just. I mean, turn up with a new random thought every week. Yeah, this week you came along singing singing Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> I mean, why has Cotton Eye Joe got into your head? Um, you asked me for a question of the podcast, and in my head, the first question that comes up in my head is the two lines from the two questions from the end of the chorus from Cotton Eye Joe. Yeah. So, if listeners, if you can answer <laughs> any of the questions from Cotton Eye Joe, where did you come from? Where did, and you, where go? did you go? Where did you come from, Cotton, Cotton Eye Joe? Joe. <laughs> Answers on a postcard. I mean, they are. Mysteries, aren't they? Yeah. Where did Cotton Eye Joe actually come from? It always makes me wonder. Like, yeah. who the hell is Cotton Eye Joe? <laughs> Do you almost swear about Cotton Eye Joe? Yeah. Where the flip is Cotton Eye Joe? Who is he? I don't, I don't who, no, who is he? Who is he? Well, not where is he and where did you come from, but who is he as well? Who? What's he all about? What's what, his agenda? What is a Cotton Eye Joe? <laughs> Who is Joe and a wide, is his one eye made of cotton? Maybe he's know. got an eye patch made of cotton. Maybe, maybe. Um, which brings <laughs> us on, funnily enough, to... And this wasn't a intentional link, but... Um, this week's question in the podcast is, what would your pirate name be? And maybe your pirate name would be Cotton Eye Joe. Cotton Eye Jane. Cotton Eye Jane. <laughs> I'd be Cotton Eye Alan. <laughs> Why not Cotton Eye Chris? Cotton Eye Chris. That's it. Where did you come from, Cotton Eye Chris? I don't know. Taking the... No, let's not even go there. Let's not even go there. Um, so what would your actual... It wouldn't be Cotton Eye Sue or whatever you said. What would your actual pirate name be? Um, I don't know. I feel like... I don't know. Would I be a pirate or would I be a privateer? <laughs> a privateer. Why would you? What's a privateer? What's a private? Okay, so they're basically pirates, <coughs> but legal. Oh no, that's boring. No, no, but basically, it was you know Queen Elizabeth. She had all these men, and they were all trying to impress her because they wanted to be in favour with the Queen. So they used to go and pillage Spanish ships and burn them to pieces. But that was legal, based on English law, right? And because the Queen wanted it. She, he, they used to give them like a fra- uh, they used to give the crown a fraction of the money, and in return, none of the other countries could prosecute the pirate ship. Uh, 
the privateer ships. About that in Spain? Uh, what would no. Spain do? If Spain couldn't Spain... do anything because they were under English protection. So oh, right. unless they wanted to attack England, which they did eventually try, the Spanish Armada, um, they couldn't do it. But the Spanish Armada failed because of stuff like the singeing of the king's beard, which was a privateer's doing. Yeah. You know, Francis Drake. You know, you know who, what privateer did that? I've heard. Cotton Eye Joe. He, it, it was, was Francis Drake. No, it wasn't. It was, they, we all they, know it. It was Francis Drake. They all blamed Drake. Francis Drake, but actually it was Cotton Eye Joe. Yeah, it was Cotton Eye Joe that went and set the harbours on fire. Where did you come Post from? Poem. Where did you go? I went to St. Beard. My name's Cotton Eye Joe. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's obvious. If people would like to... I mean, there, there must be a method behind working out what your pirate name is. There must be yeah. some sort of, one of those pirate name generators online or yeah, something like that. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Probably. I've never done it. So uh, so we are looking forward to hearing your pirate names. But in the meantime, here's how you get in touch with us. Uh, we have a Twitter. At um, Ola Kindness. At, where did you come from? Cotton Eye Joe. Kindness I Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you come from? Where did you go? I was acting. A, I was. I was enacting an, uh, 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 an act of kindness. My name's Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> um, we have a Facebook, and we're under the Kindness Project. I know Facebook, completely revolutionary. We should buy shares. <laughs> Probably too late, to be honest. I think we've missed that by about ten years. Um, so Facebook's there, and you can. Should we buy shares in Google? Is it too, too late? late too late. Too late. No, I sell the. I hear they're selling like wildfire. What's the next like revolutionary tech trend we could buy shares in? Amazon. <laughs> no, no, Amazon's a bit more mature. Yeah. Uh, don't I don't know. We don't stay in touch with any of this sort of stuff. We should because we're quite tech savvy. Podcast, no. Uh, Podcasts pod, pod, don't make any money. Podcasts are quite old now. Podcasts don't make money. Yeah, well, some do. Some, some are sponsored. Oh, yeah, like- Gimlet Media, they make so much money because they have so many Patreon supporters. Yeah, well, maybe we should do that. Maybe we should ask for Patreon supporters. Where would the money go, though? To charity. Yeah, give it away. Thing. It's not like we need it. Where would, where would the money go to? Cotton Eye Joe. I want to start a charity called the Cotton Eye Joe Foundation and um, uh, give, give all the money to Cotton Eye Joe. And the only reason for the Cotton Eye Joe Foundation is to work out where did he come from, where did he go. I want to do research <laughs> into Cotton Eye Joe. No, but like, what kind of people would you associate with the... the what kind of people would we be helping with the Cotton Eye Joe... Um, I'm just going to say religion. People, <laughs> the Cotton Eye Joe cult. The people, Wouldn't be the first one I started. The people we'd be helping, if we found out the answer to where would you come from, where, where, where did you come from, where did you go, is people like you who wake up at two o'clock in the morning going, where did Cotton Eye Joe go? It wasn't two, it was one thirty-two. <laughs> well, look at their, look at their mobiles and go it's one thirty-two in the morning what am I worried about where the heck Cotton is Cotton Eye Joe where's Cotton Eye Joe gone no anyway. you never know it could be like a charity to find lost family members or something called Cotton Eye Joe yeah where'd he come from where'd he go yeah <laughs> <laughs> lost people <laughs> the Cotton Eye Joe Foundation uh, so we can find lost people where did you go it come from where did you go anyway shall we crack on with the show Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> so, as we can't find Cotton Eye Joe, should we um, share a bit of good news? Where the heck is he gone? Yeah, sure, <laughs> go on then. So, my story, good news story this week 
is about a Welsh teacher. So Welsh t teacher held as the math whisperer after all his students got an A plus on a tricky exam. Last month, a Welsh teacher waited with bated breath while his class of 30 students counted down together towards the moment when they would all open the results of their maths exam. When the moment finally arrived, a chorus of gasps erupted from the class of mostly minority, low-income and English second language speakers when they realised each and every one of them had got an A-star. Um... Francis Elve, a teacher at Fitzalan High School in Cardiff, Wales, has been held as the maths whisperer since he managed to guide each and every one of his pupils to the highest possible grade. One question. That, I mean, that's amazing. Great work by that teacher. Who's the maths whisperer at your school? school? Who's the best teacher of maths? I don't know. We lost a couple. Did you? We lost three. Who, who, who's been the best teacher of maths at your school ever well we had Mr Shamsi but okay. I did prefer Miss Villani did you so Mr Shamsi and Miss Villani uh, and I've got another piece of good news researchers develop ultra absorbent device that can pull record amounts of water out of thin air it's magic um, so for many of the world's poorest nations, one of the greatest environmental threats to their health remains the lack of access to safe water. Thankfully, scientists at the John Hopkins Applied Physics Laboratory in Laurel, Maryland, have identified highly absorbent materials that can extract a record-breaking amount of drinking water just out of the air. Yeah, because there's lots of... Um, yeah, moisture. Water vapour. Yeah, yeah. And it could potentially lead to technologies that supply potable water in the driest areas of the planet. Now, what we can do with science is amazing, isn't it? The researchers, a team from APL's Research and Exploratory Development Department, led by Zion Zia, Matthew Logan and Spencer Langevin, described their discovery in the, this week's issue of Scientific Reports. Um, and it goes into a lot of sciencey stuff that, frankly, I don't understand. But the fact, <laughs> the fact that they can do that is yeah, that, that, that's a miracle. Well done, those three scientists. Should we uh, come to the show? Yeah, go on. So on this week's podcast, we've got a, a second part of the interview with Ruth Shoes. Now, Ruth is a positive psychologist Ooh. and she's talking quite a lot in this part of the interview about um, uh, things that we can do to make ourselves psychologically healthier to improve our mental health should we give it a listen yeah is that because the novelty bias is more immediate but yeah. less longer lasting than the familiarity bias right, right? and and it's also something to do with the two types of happiness hedonic and eudaimonic yeah, yeah. so your hedonic happiness is is immediate. really um, satisfied by nice food and yeah. new weather and meeting new people and also you you're talking about identity but that kind of sense where you um, you, you almost feel like you can reinvent yourself in a new place and, sure. and you can become... The person that you expect to be, yeah. Right, but sustaining that yeah. takes effort. You become tired. And also, when you're meeting new people a lot, you're trying to impress them and be that best possible person yeah. that you can be. Um, 
And at, at some point you kind of think, well, my old friends loved and accepted me, however grumpy. And, <laughs> and I didn't have to try to be this yeah. new, yeah. wonderful, shiny person all the time. And you just get tired. Sooner or later, you hit a crisis point Hi. where you just want to go home. Um, and that can turn... And Or if it's a new job... You don't yep. want to do that job anymore. You want to go back to what you had before, yeah, yeah, yeah. even if you had very good reasons for moving on from yep. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and with mental health, you can go one of three ways. So you can either start to adjust and go up the other side. Sure. Of the, it starts off as a U, but it, then it becomes a W. Um, and that's the most common trajectory. Yep. But sometimes you can turn against the new place. Yeah. And you think, this isn't what I had anticipated it being. I don't like these people as much as the old people. And you leave. You, you yeah. move. Yeah. Or you can turn against yourself. And you can think, well, everybody else can adjust and I can't. Well, can't and, it's, I? and it's because I'm anxious or I'm depressed. Although those feelings are part of our human um, our human condition. We, sure. we need you know anxiety if you're in a new situation you've never dealt with before of course you're going to feel anxious yes and it's your body preparing you to deal with new situations and and give you energy and give you give you that that way of dealing with it's just when it becomes chronic and debilitating that it's an issue sure and the same with depression if you're missing people you love you're going to feel sad yeah that that is a normal contextual response to change Yeah. yeah yeah And we can work through it, and 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 and. So so, but but it's an interesting one because I suppose part of the, part of the, and again I'm just taking it from my map of the world and my perspective. Mm. If there's something that you are, you're not happy about in your life, yeah. and I know, and again this is why I'm really conscious about saying that, um, and you're potentially uh, potentially resistant to change. Yeah. Um, you're more likely to do something that doesn't make you happy potentially. Uh, so if it was me, I'd be looking at the factors in that in that sort of circumstance and say, right, what can I alter to make me happier? Yes. Um, I've got a friend who uh, who struggles with making change, yeah. and part of the reason he's less happy mm. um, uh, is because he's not making the changes he needs to. So. Mm. Is it always getting used to that situation or is it knowing that you're... I suppose the, the question that I've got in my head is if... It, should there be a point and how do you know you've got there when you should just stop trying to get used to it and make a change and do something about it? I mean, it's difficult to be... Um, gen- to generalise yeah. about it because it would depend on... Um, what the situation was but if you're if more of your life is unhappy than happy yeah you know it would make sense to change to change something but but also it's knowing what's normal yeah so one of the things in if if i were working say with a homesick student yeah when you're in that process of misery yeah you it's You've an not emotional got any external storm. perspective have Co- you yeah correct so so to actually show someone the culture shock curve and say you know this is this is not true for everybody and there are arguments about it there's a j curve yeah. version yeah, yeah. but um and and various other models but if 
you know, for a lot of people, they think this is true. Let's just say, if, if this were true, where might you be on this curve at the yeah. moment? Yeah. And I've seen people sort of go, what, it's not just me. This is a process. This is, yeah. And that can be enough to stop you feeling the misery. And e even for myself... It's perspective, isn't it? It's, it's providing that perspective. It's, pro it's, it. it's being able to get out of the storm and to be able to have a look at all, you know, Understand. You management speak, you yeah. know, on the dance floor, you get up on the balcony and you can then watch yeah, the dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And even when you know about it, yeah. it doesn't always work. So when I left a pretty well-paid, very satisfying job to retrain, I lost, obviously, my income and, and all my security. And, about three, and, and then I was studying, I was reading papers at a, a really much higher level than I ever had before, and okay. I was meeting new people, and they were really wonderful. But about three months in, I suddenly had a, had a meltdown and just thought, what, what am I what doing? I, and yeah. I was really upset, and I, I talking to my husband, and he said to me, so where are you on the culture shock? <laughs> yeah. Now, I went to learn more about this, and I, I w when I was in that emotional state yeah. I didn't remember it I didn't see it but we've spoken about this for the podcast it's why coaches need coaches right, right you know, and, and why you need that yeah, external yeah. perspective sometimes yeah. to focus on a specific area of your life um, so again we will go back to the questions that I emailed you at some point I'm sure we will um, but the other thing I'm, I'm sort of interested in is what made you make the change so you just said that you had this amazing job, like <laughs> emotionally satisfying, yeah. the money was good, yeah, yeah, happy. Okay, so all, all right, lots of reasons. Changes make changes. So a couple couple of reasons. So I'd gone from doing the course with BSA in Roehampton to lecturing on it. Okay. And during the time that I was doing that, um, I was hearing more and more teachers and pastoral leaders, not all of them teachers, talking about this increase in mental health issues and that sense of helplessness that I talked to you about at the beginning yeah. of not knowing quite what to do. And I was in a position where I was their tutor and I was supporting them and I didn't feel I had enough information to be able to help them. And there isn't any doubt really that the instances of mental health, some people say it's because reporting is up, but actually the lived experience of people working with students generally and international students in particular, is that they are dealing with more and more instances of mental health okay. uh, issues. And a very close family member was very badly affected with depression okay. and I hadn't seen it coming. Um, and I was somebody who had felt myself to be very aware and empathetic and supportive. So that gave me a shock. And then I think there was um, a structural change at my place of work, which there were a lot of changes. I mean, it, it, in itself, it wasn't good or bad. It was just different. Yeah. yeah and yeah. it caused me to look at my life, what I was doing. Um, I'd moved from a very hands-on teaching role um, and then pastoral care role position to management okay and I was finding myself doing more strategic reports and being away from people more and I suddenly thought actually that curiosity that I described at the yeah, beginning yeah, yeah. 
it's that's always, what you want to do. That's what I want to yeah, do. And, yeah. and the difference now, yeah. you know, I talked about activating those strengths, doing a positive psychology master's if curiosity, creativity, love, <laughs> yeah. perspective and love of learning are your top strengths. You want to be doing that all the time, You want right? to be doing that yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now what I'm doing is passing on what I've learned and I love it. So, cool, yeah. amazing. <laughs> so... Um, I think that might be the longest two, first two questions we've ever done. But that, no, it's brilliant. So I want to talk a little bit about comparison. Okay. Uh, how do we get the balance right between, as humans, comparing what we do with others and yeah. that being a healthy thing and uh, making sure that we don't fall into habits of unhealthy comparison? Um. It's a really good question, and it's very hard to practice. Even if you know theoretically, it's really hard to do mm. um, because we are social animals. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Um, comparing with others can be inspiring. Okay. And I, I certainly think uh, having a role model of somebody that you think you could be like. Um, can inspire you to see possibilities and yeah. to see ways forward and uh, we talked about maps of the world people share their maps yeah sure, sure and if sure. you can't see the way to go to get somewhere having somebody that having you can, a model having a model is really useful and really helpful it's when you become alienated by the comparison okay that difficulties emerge psychologically so you think I, I could never do that and I'm, I'm not as good as that and I, I think this is one of the reasons why social media is raised as the demon that, that it yeah, is yeah. it is neither good nor bad it's how you use it um, what it does do is expose everybody to millions of potential comparisons sure which sure. can really raise insecurity yeah yeah and I would say how do you guard against it I, I, I'm, I'm giving you sort of lots of um, little little summary words, but SCARF, I don't know if you've come across David Rock. No. David Rock, 2008, has the SCARF model. It's a corporate model, but I've adapted it for the work that I do because I think it's so important. Um, he looked at identity in terms of triggering um, threat. So the SCARF spells out status certainty autonomy relatedness and fairness okay as central parts of everybody's identity when those elements are threatened the hormones that are released go straight to the amygdala to the the primal part yep. of your brain yep. your neocortex and your amygdala tend not to be able to work at the same time so, so the rational thinking part struggles in shuts there. Shuts down. Yeah. So when you threaten, and you can think about examples, when your status is threatened, yep. When, yep. When, you're, when you don't know what to do, when your sense of certainty is threatened, yep. when your sense of autonomy is threatened, yep. you shut down. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you have to deal with that threat. If you okay. look at children, go, it's not fair. Until that fairness has been resolved, they cannot think. Sure. And that's one of the things that why it was so useful was a corporate model because if you have a boss who shouts at you or threatens you, you become less able to do your job. Sure. Because sure. your neocortex shuts down. Sure. Sure. However, um, conversely, if you boost those things, then 
your neocortex is activated because serotonin and dopamine go straight yep. to your their receptors are in the neocortex yep. and it makes you better able to think yep. and um, and better able to be creative yep. so having that perspective model for me when I feel threatened with um, social comparison if I can remember okay what's happening here do I feel that I'm not as good as them is that impacting on my status mm. um, is it making me feel uncertain about the future uh, once I have that perspective I'm already thinking with the neocortex so sure. it snapped me out of that fight flight freeze yeah, yeah, or sure, submission sure. response sure. and then I can be more rational and that, and that unfair comparison, that's normally linked to the S in that model, isn't it? You know, is is my status lower in whatever way than right. somebody else? Is that right? What 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 other parts of that scarf model would it impact? I don't think it's um, well certainty how to do it. Okay. If you see someone doing something you'd like to do and you think, oh, I could never do that. Understand. Um, yeah, yeah. Relatedness. Yeah. They're more popular than me. I haven't. I I I honestly yeah, yeah, think. Yeah, every single element. Um, every single element can be true, and it's different for different people. Interesting. Uh, but I, I think status is a big thing, but certainly not the only thing. Okay. Um, but I think knowing about that has helped me. Yeah. Uh, in dealing with those comparisons, and yeah. then also being able to just take five in terms of my own reactions. Yeah. If I feel that sort of sense of mm. comparison, I think, okay, this is what's going on with me. And, and knowing that an incremental gain, I don't have to be, you know, those people didn't yeah. get to where they are straight away. Yep. They learnt to do it. They yeah. learnt to build on strategies and they may have more um, talent and, and ability in, in but so, says who? Yeah. And and they will also have people who are better than them that they yeah. could learn to be. So it's, it's yeah, just yeah. trying to keep perspective yourself yes yeah understand that that's perfect and that's the if you can hear sort of some noises in the background listeners it's because i've got my notebook out <laughs> and i'm now scribbling down a lot of this really fantastic information so thank you for that that's amazing um so that helps with comparison i'm a i'm a a, a bit of a believer in stoicism stoic philosophy okay. so i read a lot of stoic books and uh one of the things that i've done more over the last probably five years is just have a bit more of a focus on elements of my life i can control yeah and worry less about yeah. the bits that i just might have influence over and yeah, i'll yeah. try and impact influence yeah. those things but not worrying about things that that i can't yeah um and i've said this to people and for me it's been a process to learn how to do that yeah um the problem is now i've been doing it for so long <laughs> i've sort of forgotten what mental process i went through to yeah. get me to that point yeah. so what what tips or advice would you give to somebody who said it's easy for you to only worry about the elements you can control but how do I do it in practice okay I can share some exercises that I do uh, in in workshops amazing that, that yeah can, that can actually help with that so I haven't read the stoic philosophy books but I have read Stephen Covey yes seven, seven habits, habits of highly effective people yeah and that's he also amazing yeah. talks about the circle of control and circle of concern yeah. Um, but in a really practical way, uh, I would get 
um, the people that I'm working with to write down on separate bits of paper and obviously if, the, if what you're worried about is the environment probably it's not the best way to do yeah. it <laughs> you do it virtually but actually write what your problems are that you're worrying about and once you've got them written down the ones that you can do nothing about yeah. physically I get them to scrunch them up and chuck them in the bin because we only have a certain amount of energy yeah um you know, people say, oh, well, I can't help what I worry about. But one of the things on the course that made a huge difference to me was that saying thoughts are like trains. Yeah. They come into the station. You, you might not be able to help which train comes into the station, but you don't have to get Jump on, on. Yeah, <laughs> every, every train. So you can, you can make a note. Okay, I've thought about that. And then you think about where you are going to put your energy. So the, the, the worries that you have that you can do something about... It doesn't have to be all of it. So yeah. if, if, for example, climate change, the environment, was the thing that you were worried about, you might say, okay, that, that, that's something I can't do anything about. But you can. You can do. You can go on campaigns. Yeah. You can, there, there are a number of steps that you can take yeah. that if enough people do a small step, it becomes a big step. And you can influence those people, potentially, right? And you right? can influence other people. You, you can do all, all kinds of things if you want to. But if you... If you're worried about somebody else's opinion of you, yeah, um, you can't probably do that much about it, but you can do something about your opinion of yourself in terms of what you're actually... Yeah. Do, you know, if, you, if you're worried about your boss not liking you, that isn't something that you can influence. What you can influence is, is your, what you're your doing. Own your own behaviour. Your own behaviour and your approach to your job. Yeah. And yeah. you can work on those aspects of work that that you yeah. can and if you bear in mind scarf so you're you're feeling threatened by your boss putting you down think okay so that's impacting on my status but actually I do have choices yeah. in terms of where I'm directing my energy so I'm going to think about objectively what is important to me yeah. for what I'm going to do I might think about employing some of my strengths yeah. Yeah. in dealing with what I'm going to do and I'm going to focus on that and that actually increases your circle of control okay and your circle of concern shrinks yeah sure 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 I really like that the other the other we um we had another guest who I heard speak and invited him onto the podcast a guy called uh Nick Elston and he um he uh speaks about anxiety quite a lot <laughs> and he uh, found himself mentally catastrophizing a lot. Right. And then he said what was really useful for him is documenting everything that he worried about. Yeah, yeah. And then revisiting it um, yes. a month later yeah. and finding that everything he worried about, yeah. nothing actually yeah. happened on that list. Yeah. And I thought that was quite an interesting yeah. exercise to go through. And also just having a reality check. Yeah. So, so if what you're worried about is someone else's opinion, you kind of think, okay, where's the evidence? for this how yeah. do I know so actually quite a lot of the time it's mind reading yeah, yeah. you're, you're, you're guessing aren't you I'll yeah. give you an example I had a colleague at work that I had a disagreement about something and I was walking down the corridor and that colleague was really just didn't acknowledge me and I just thought oh it's this. yeah anyway I found out later that day that he'd had a bereavement and so my mind reading was saying that he had acted 
in that way because he didn't he, yeah. like me. And yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It was nothing to do with me at all. Yeah, yeah. And actually, when I did find out what was wrong and I went and spoke to him, he it, he was lovely and he, you know, was obviously very upset but was really pleased that I'd come and spoken to him. That made it really apparent to me okay. how much of what we think is just made up by us. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I think I think the interesting thing there is, even though you know consciously, mm. you need to carry on reminding yourself of yeah. that to make sure that make sure that you're aware of it. So that's perfect. I mean, uh, that just one. Sorry, this could <laughs> this could be a forty-seven hour interview by the time we're going. One question on that is: Do you, do you think the physical manifestation of taking the action of scrum up that paper is important and useful yeah. and if so why oh i do um because i don't our brains don't really understand the difference between a real situation and a threat saturation so yeah. coming back to scarf <clears throat> if you're perceiving a status or a fairness or a certainty threat your brain reacts as if there is a tiger in the room yeah yeah actually yeah. actually threatening you and so you know nlp which is far less evidence-based than, than yeah. coaching, but has some evidence behind it now, works on the basis that you fool your brain into thinking... So you, you would stand in a confident position. Um, and they also do a lot of work on seeing people who are really, really good at, at something and, and looking at the strategies that they used and then emulating that. Okay. So... In scrunching something up and throwing it away, symbolically, it's unimportant, rubbish. Yeah. Doesn't matter. So whether or not you you struggle to to get over that, you're, you've just told yeah. your brain that that thing doesn't matter. Yeah, 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 it yeah. It isn't yeah, important. Yeah, yeah. You've it's got taking rid of the action it. to to embody that. No, completely, completely get that. Um, so. We spoke earlier on about making mistakes. Yeah. Um, I admitted my super embarrassing uh, booking a hotel in the wrong country mistake, which is amazing. Um, and uh, how do you, if, if you had somebody you were working with who was struggling with coping with making mm-hmm. mistakes, how mm-hmm. would you potentially share some of those techniques that might help them? Well, I've talked through the calm technique, which is a right, really sort of simple yeah. one. Um, I do quite a lot of work on um, thinking errors, so positive uh, uh, thoughts and, and negative thoughts and how they can get in the way. Yeah. So, But that, that particularly with coaching can be really helpful, so cognitive behavioural coaching. Yeah. Yeah. And the biases um, that are natural And the biases to that are natural to us. So again, raising those things into awareness to get perspective and, yeah. and looking at people's um, thought patterns with them and helping them come up with more appropriate, helpful thought patterns to them. And it, this isn't something as a coach, you, you can provide tools, but coaching isn't teaching. Yeah. And, yep. and so people have to work through the strategies that are most appropriate for them and talk about the things that are most useful for them. But the other person I'd really recommend um, is Kristin Neff. I don't know if you've come across. No. Um, so she she's she's amazing. She's done a lot of work on self-compassion. Okay. And her, her programme is an eight-week programme, but I do um, shorter versions of it where a shame is an interesting thing 
because yeah. it shuts you down. Um, the, the four, this isn't Kristen Neff, I'm, I'm going slightly sideways, but the four responses that we have to shame are avoidance, withdrawal, attack self or attack others as human beings. So if we've done something that we regret, often dealing with those emotions can be really, really difficult. Kristen Neff advises a three-step process which has some overlap with, with calm. So first of all, you mindfully recall the event. You write, maybe spend 20 minutes just writing what actually happened. But in that mindful recall, you have to take out all the judgment. Yeah. So you can't say, she said that because she hates me, or she said it nastily. You can say she said it loudly, or... Um, so it's got to be an impartial as right. possible assessment on what actually exactly. Occurred. So you're trying to get the facts of what has happened to you down, and yep. then you can look through and you can edit it, and you think, okay, well, do I know that? What was there evidence for that? What actually happened that anybody? And obviously, you're doing it yourself, so you're not worried about someone else's judgment. You get that down first, and then you write yourself a, a letter as if you were your own best friend yeah um so that loving part so yeah. you you're um sorry i've missed the, the middle step you, you you go through it again but from the perspective of common humanity okay is this the kind of thing that somebody else could have done did i make a mistake because it was only me is could another human being yeah, yeah, yeah. have made the same mistake can i understand how that what happened is a human thing and actually it can work with the other person as well even if you're really really angry with them as soon as you start to think about common humanity and particularly if you've got scarf in your background you might think well okay, were they I under can, threat in certain were they areas? under threat can yeah, i see how a human being might have behaved like that to give yourself a, a humanistic understanding of yeah. that, of that process and then finally you write yourself a letter which is both loving and has in mind what you could learn from it. Right, love so, it. And, 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 and take that forward. And yeah. so I did a shorter version of that program over four days, which isn't enough really. But just doing that for four days, and some people do the same incident again okay. and again and again. Some people work on different incidents. But when I do something wrong which I do from time to time or, or when I feel bad about something forgotten forgotten someone's birthday or forgotten something I should have done or, yeah. and I, I, you get that little sick feeling in your stomach I take a deep breath and I think alright what's actually happened here let's root it was it a human thing to do yeah, yeah, yeah. and what is my loving response to myself because yeah. we we, we if we have views on, you and I have had this argument about kindness and whether it's a selfish or, or, or not a selfish thing, to, thing to, to feel. But I think a lot of people feel that they should be kind to everyone except them. Yeah. And yeah. we are all equally yeah. deserving of our kindness, yeah. including ourselves. I, I absolutely agree with that. I think you have the opportunity to be more kind if you're kinder to yourself first. Yes, absolutely. Than, than 
altruistically giving your kindness to other people without and focusing on it immediately. Left. Yeah. You know, as as yeah. we talked about Cody, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. one of his his key questions is when are you too busy to fill the car up with fuel? Yeah, yeah, then, agreed. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone goes, Oh yeah. yeah. Well, it would stop working. Well, actually, if we don't yeah. look after Nurture ourselves, your own mental health. We yeah, stop yeah. working. Yeah, we yeah, do yeah. break down. Yeah. And it's it's uh, I mean I think I think the reality of it is that starting point if you are truly if you want to really live a life where you're giving to other people you've some you've just got to take that time so that you can do that for as long as possible it's a marathon not a sprint isn't it you know it's one of those things where you need to make sure that you can do it pretty consistently um so let's talk about um, and we had a brief conversation about social media earlier on. Yeah. Um, but there's loads of noise around, isn't there? There's noise of media, there's gossip, there's news, there's everything. How do we get better at just making sure that we're focused on um, the stuff that's important um, and ignoring the irrelevant noise in our lives? What's irrelevant? I suppose it depends on the individual, doesn't it? I th- yeah. I, I, yeah, what do you think? What's relevant to you? Well, I suppose just the things that I don't know. I, I, I've already said I'm pretty much intensely curious about everything. Okay. Um, for me, it's more about building in sufficient time for the things that are important. Yeah. I mean, I do spend too much time zombie scrolling if I'm honest okay but i find we all do yeah we all do (laughs) but i find out such amazing and interesting things through doing that you know if i'm looking through the news and if i'm looking on uh, linkedin and i'll find an article and i i'm a great one for connecting different things sure you know bringing different fields together so um what what i think the problem is is if you're so distracted by the noise you forget to live your life yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd gone on and on about Covey, but he talks about putting in the big rocks first. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so I would say it's really important to think what are those things in your life that will add to your well-being and to the well-being of others, because we're not sure. individuals. You know, uh, well-being is about what's good for other people, the community that you live in, not just yourself. Otherwise, yeah. you know, n- narcissists yeah. don't have good well-being. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> they're they're their well-being it's got to be about how we engage in our social communities and not just being selfish Um, but equally somebody who always puts other people first actually isn't a very good role model that's one of the reasons I like to work with teachers teachers are very selfless in nature right exactly right exactly right and so they're they're when when I'm doing well-being workshops um, I'm trying to to talk about the importance of implementing it in their own lives, and quite a lot of teachers are focused very much. No, this is for the children. But what kind of a role model are you if they're seeing you work late every night, yeah. looking tired, looking harassed, looking stressed? You're someone that they admire, yeah. that yeah, they yeah. look up to, and you're saying, no, no, look after yourself. But but they're seeing you say that to other people and not doing it. Yeah. Those those young people are not going it's modeling to isn't it it's, it's modeling. That, yeah, yeah and also it's as you say having the resources because 
if you can't look after yourself, you're literally less able to look after other people. Yeah. Yeah. So it's understanding what you need to do, what big rocks to build in to protect your own mental health. Yeah. And honestly, I just used the PERMA. Martin, have you come across it? No. So Martin Seligman, <laughs> I talked about him earlier, 1998, talking, talking to the American Psychological Association on what we do that's right for people he's come up with a model called perma p-e-r-m-a okay. and it's now had an h added to it okay so p stands for positive emotions yeah they're brilliant because they work in the now yeah in the past and in the future so if you if, if you tell me something that creates a positive emotion in you what do you like to do um uh i like to what do i like to do i like to speak to interesting people i like to um exercise um i like to spend time with my family i like to travel okay i like can we choose one just for the oh yeah I, but, um travel <laughs> okay so let's say we chose travel that creates positive emotions in you what 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 emotion does it create um i like uh so i think it it plays into my positive identity that I, I like a bit of an adventure and I'm curious by nature so I okay. like to have different experiences um, you, sorry I'm just going to stop you a minute because yeah. we find it quite difficult to name emotions yeah and you're naming experiences excitement is okay. the emotion any more um um nervousness often okay. but I control nervous nervousness because I'm I want to I'm nervous about a new experience, but I know that actually that nervousness I'll get over and it's good for me over the longer term. Okay, and other positive emotions? Um, can you? Um, fun. Fun. Yeah. yeah. Because some people with travel, you might get somebody who likes who thinks about awe or serenity. Yeah, or yeah. Depend depending on what your travel experience is. Yeah. But usually I find when I'm when I'm talking like this with people to actually name the emotions can be quite hard. We okay. don't we don't tend to engage with describing our emotions. Yeah. And then you think about where those emotions come from and where where else you have them in your life. Yeah. So could you give me a description of a travel experience where you felt real positive? That was a great travel experience. Yeah, I I mean so oh, there's loads um uh so literally this year charlotte and i went to japan for 10 days mm -hmm. um and uh just having a shared experience right. where we could just go to these places that were culturally so different yeah was amazing I think part of the reason that I loved it so much yeah. is I got to share it with her. Yeah. Um, I'm getting all emotional now. I quite, and this is and really interesting conversation. Lit up. Yeah, it's interesting. Thanks for the coaching. Eh? <laughs> Are you going to send me an invoice later? <laughs> or what? What's um, but, but no, uh, just the the benefit for me was just I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in creating memories. So yeah. so. That that experience for me was to say, do you remember when we did that? When when we got on the bullet train? Yeah. I mean, it was funny because I we had this experience and we spoke about it on the podcast before, um, where I was in awe, funny yeah. enough, of just the bullet train coming yeah. into 
in into the station and i said look that that that's just an amazing incredible uh, feat of engineering if yeah, you yeah. just look at it and um charlotte went to me um oh come on dad don't turn into a train spy next we'll be sitting outside <laughs> looking at the 532 from grimsby and you'll be doing the same thing and it was one of those experiences where you go uh, you know what i'll remember that in 20 years time and that for me that shared experience is important yeah. from travel do, do you know you've just made me want to share a story with Tell you me. which was a honeymoon story so my husband mark and i'd um honeymoons in Zimbabwe yeah. we met and married in Zambia okay and we were walking along the shore of Lake Kariba it was the most amazing sunset and there were birds flying low over the water and the sky was on fire and the water was like a mirror and I just felt so happy and I was holding his hand which he doesn't he's not he's not a one for public displays of affection and I just turned to him I said it's so beautiful and he went isn't it and I just thought, oh, this amazing shared moment. And then I realised that he was looking at a power bow. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that was where but he was. Then, <laughs> then it goes back to maps of the world, right? You know, yeah. that thing where you just, you can look at the same thing. I, what I've realised is that I am an intense, I'm, a, I'm a, certainly an optimist and uh, an extrovert. And I'm an intensely social animal. So yeah. when it comes to these experiences i need to be and that's why i like exercise i mean I, it's funny I, I built a gym out in in the sort of back building of my house yeah and spent three months looking at it um and seeing how well the cobwebs are growing on it mm-hmm. because i just I, I wasn't and now i've joined the gym been there for for a year yeah um where it's the only thing they do is group classes because right. that social element of so- of yeah so those those six things that I've mentioned, PERMA, are all connected as well. And you've you've already brought relatedness into positive emotions. But can I just ask you, when you were telling that before I really interrupted with my story. No, it was a good story, te- amazing when you, story. <laughs> when you were telling that story, how how did you feel then? Because um, you looked your face was lit up and you looked a little bit emotional when you were telling yeah, it. Yeah, I just I I think a lot about I think a lot about um, memories legacy and what i'm going to leave and i just i'm glad we did it yeah. i'm glad we did it so i think for me it was that it was that i worry i worry a lot about um whether i'm doing the right things as a dad yeah, yeah. um and hopefully I'm, I'm doing enough you know i'm certainly not perfect but hopefully i'm doing enough of the right things and i'm sort of it's just one of the things i'm just i'm just really happy i did so that was the end of the show. What did you think? She's good. She's good, Rose. She's, She's good. very good. And we've got more from Ruth next week because she was so fascinating. The interview went on for quite a long time. So we'll see the end of Ooh. the uh, end of the um, interview next week. <laughs> Tis the end, Charlotte. <gasps> Tis the end of another podcast. However, one of the things we talked about when I interviewed Ruth was making mistakes. And I've made a mistake because I forgot to uh, share this week, last week's question of the podcast on social media. And guess what happened? What? We've got no answers to the question of the podcast. What was the question? I can probably predict a couple of the answers. <laughs> it was, it's what's the things that are bad for your health that you love? Chocolate. Yeah. Not exercising. Yeah. Um, Smoking. Sitting on the couch, watching lots of TV, 
Sounds like your life that you're describing. <laughs> Burgers, crisps. <laughs> Why are you sweating right now? Are you just are you just <laughs> dying for burgers and crisps? <laughs> I'm not that big a fan of burgers. I'd rather a nice juicy lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Garfield, calm it down. Um, do you know? Uh, and I, I've, I've been watching a lot less TV. I like podcasts now. <laughs> and I do go to the gym. You do? I do exercise. You do. We're going to be talking about that next week. But what? unfortunately, um, because of my fundamental error, we haven't got any answers for this week's end of the podcast. So I'm afraid we're cutting it short. We'll see you next week. <gasps> it truly is the end. It is the end. See you later. Bye, Drew.